Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. Welcome to the GC on Demand. Hey folks, my name is Eric Wright. I'm your host for the day. And I just got back from a really cool event, so I wanted to share some of the experiences there. And also to really dig in on some neat stuff that's been kind of driving a lot of the work around you know, redefining what it is that uh, creates good content, that makes things easy to consume. It, this applies to technology, clearly. I'm going to lay down some business cases and some stuff that makes makes sense in tech. So if you're if you're in tech, you know some of the stuff will make sense. Uh, and especially, you know, even outside of tech, in, in any business, think about what it is that makes it applicable. Now, so the IBM Innovate event that's just happened in Toronto, uh, and uh, it was an all-day event. There was uh, about 1,500 or so plus people. It was a good-sized room really big, lots of folks there. I was lucky enough to be invited as an influencer uh, to help to you know, do some social media. So if you're following my social media feed, I'm at Disco Posse, of course, if you don't already know that. You'll, you'll see a bunch of stuff going by with hashtag IBM Innovate. What was really interesting about this was obviously there's a lot of stuff happening around AI and, and ML and, and Internet of Things. And, and what was what I loved about the event was a real strong idea of like powerful technology and take the take the name brand out of anything. And what the focus of the content was, was really, what's the story? What is the thing that it does? And if you've watched Halt and Catch Fire, there's a, a classic moment early on uh, where Joe McMillan, the, the ever-famous character who's the sort of one of the center characters of the story, and he, he says to the technologist, it was Gordon, and he says, it's not the thing, it's the thing that gets you to the thing. We've seen a lot of stuff around cloud lately, and, and everybody talks about the idea of, of what is cloud. Cloud's not a thing, it's not a place, it's a methodology, it's a pattern, it's an application design pattern, it's an infrastructure pattern, and it's important that we think about things that way. When I look at, at what we saw, you know, you'll see if you read my blog, so you go to discoposse.com, you'll see a blog. There's some content uh, uh, that you're going to see more and more coming that's, that's related to this. But the top stories that came up were, we are doing something really neat to create better experiences for people. And that started at the event. It was actually pretty cool. It started with a, a human challenge, right? We actually got a company that, that's working, they've created a, a chatbot, and what this chatbot does is be able to take people and have communications with it, it's called Ava, and you can communicate with it and say, like, I need help, I, I'm looking, I've got some questions. So this is different than tr traditional chatbot, which is like, I've got to figure out my internet's down, or, or some other thing. This is really the idea that they're taking input and ultimately trying to drive towards getting better natural language processing and using AI and, and using this real sort of interesting back-end technology in order to get somebody through to, you know, better a clinical understanding of what the challenges that they're facing and get them through this, this clinical assessment 
and get them to people faster. And that's really what it is. If we look at AI, everybody's threatened by the idea that AI is in fact removing human intelligence from it. But what it's not doing, it's not doing that at all. It's actually augmenting human intelligence. It's, it's speeding the process by which we get rid of the mundane things that get you to the human. Sometimes we may even be able to eliminate the human portion altogether. Doesn't mean that it's a problem. In fact, it means that we're moving on to higher order things. So story one, right there it was. We are helping people to get access to be more rapidly assessed if there's, say, a clinical intervention that needs to be made, checking for sentiment, looking for opportunities there. So that's pretty cool. And I look at, at all the stuff that's going on in the world, and we really, really are doing more and more, and we're seeing more stuff around AI. And AI is being done as services now. This is not something you need to code anymore. And if you don't have this pattern already going on, you've got to see it. That would you build a thing if you know that thing can be bought or used as a service from elsewhere? We've seen it with domain-specific languages that kind of layer these new abstractions on top. So the right abstraction and the ability to consume a service means that you've eliminated the need to spend human effort to do that thing or to build that thing. And then you can get on to that second and third order benefit stuff, which is consuming the service and using it to actually build you know, your service. And it's, it's kind of this, this repeating pattern, this babushka doll of things where You've got this incredible thing that's inside. It's got a layer around it, which is a, an API or a service or, or something. You consume that or something consumes that. You consume it. And somewhere wrapped around the outside is this veneer, which is your site, your application, your presentation. And when I looked at the stories that were coming up there, that was really cool. Okay, so that was the first thing. You know, and then we got further and we talked about really the idea of the, the transforming role of the CIO. And I've got a blog that's uh, that's coming. It's going to be on the Turbonomic blog. Uh, so if you go to turbonomic.com forward slash blog, uh, you'll see it come out shortly. It's talking about the evolving ch and changing role and the critical role of the CIO. And we had you know, the classic title of you know CTO in this case, which was Chief Transformation Officer. And uh, the fellow on stage was kind of having a poke at the idea that he hates the word transformation. Because transformation implied that it's something's wrong or something hit the wall and you needed to basically etch a sketch and shape the thing up and, and start all over again. Transformation is different than, you know, say, disruption or, or sort of reformation, refactoring. We've got, there's a lot of words, and this is where the challenge is when we talk about AI and ML. We can pretty much broadly accept that everything out there is using AI or ML or some level of it that's effectively becoming a baseline. It's kind of like when you think about, am I using the cloud or am I, am I using something that's on the cloud? The answer is yes. That's, that's pretty much a, a stock standard. So we have now, you know, moving to the digital transformation story. And again, it wasn't about the technology. There was technology that was, that was put into place, but the idea of, of where they took uh, a hundred plus year old corporation and changed the way that they did things. And what that meant for them, it was a, it was a bank. It's called ATB, uh, their uh, Alberta bank. So if you're Canadian, woot, uh, pretty cool. Uh, and to see the story that they said, they had this incredible mission statement that really talked about the idea that they see the fundamental need in order to better the experience of consumers, in order to get to banking faster and, and to do it better, make it easier to do. 
And so what they've done is they said, like, let's get rid of or at least ease the process of opening the account. At that time that they started it, it was two plus hours in order to open a new account. At best, if you got better processes in, in the branch, you could get that down to 45 minutes. And, and he said, like, think about this. In this Twitter 140 character or 280 character or whatever lifestyle we've got, we, we want things fast. So can you imagine going in and sitting for 45 minutes when you can create a competitive advantage for your company by being able to do this completely digitally? And this was their mission. So this became you know, one of the many, many projects they took on. They created this idea, this, these labs, and these labs ultimately, they went from five developers to 150 over the course of a fairly short time in, in the life of the bank. You know, I think it was about 18 months, he said. And so to think of adding this workforce that's ultimately creating this pool of services and resources that then could be consumed and used to better the customer experience. So there it is, right? Take the technology brand out of it. We didn't even mention what they used other than AI and ML. Even then, it doesn't even matter. Like, is it, a, is it mattering to you what is under the cover? You know, in this case, they were running on IBM platforms, and that's cool. But you know, if you imagine there's probably similar stories that are on Google, on, on AWS, on Azure, uh, on you know, Oracle, whatever, all you need in the cloud, and they've got these services that become available. Now, now this was moving on, and, and one, of my, one of my favorite things we got to see was uh, somebody who I'd worked with in the past, actually, Kelly Irwin. So she's the CIO of a company called Economical Insurance. And Economical Insurance was a, what you would see is like a traditional 137-year-old, I think she said, bank or insurance company who does traditional you know, people insurance. Uh, so it's life insurance and casualty insurance and such. And think about what they've got and how they suddenly were having a change to this idea of digital transformation. And she brought up an interesting point that, you know, they're using agile processes. So great, you know, like they use agile methodologies in development, they use agile uh, in project management in order to map out how things are going. And that was really cool. She said, but at the same time, they, they kind of use this. They wield it like a cudgel against people. Like, oh, we're, our team's more agile than yours, and so therefore we're somehow better. And so what, what she brought up as an important point is getting away from the, the technology. Because you know, the same way we've abstracted away the technology and talked about the customer story. What are you actually doing with the thing? It wasn't even the methodology that was important in this case. So take Agile out of it. What are they actually doing? They're increasing velocity. Moving products from ideation to minimum viable product, getting them from minimum viable product to you know, a continuous flow of development, whether it's CI, CD, however you want to wrap it, and ultimately growing that product. But getting it to market fast, getting it out there and then being able to consume it. And at the same time that they're doing this thing in the, in the technology and in their workforce and changing the way that they map things out, they've got now two problems. Number one, the budget. Budgets are done on a traditional sort of 12-month or even a you know, semi-annual cycle of how do you assess what you're going to need for the next year. If you've got 15 MVP project, projects that are on the go, how do you budget for them when hey, you may get to MVP and it, and it dies on the vine, may not even be necessary. So being able to be quick, increase velocity, 
that means that the budget cycles had to change. So what she and her team have done is build an education process for the management team, for the CFO, to be able to show them, hey, this is the way that we're doing these things. Is there a way that we can better feedback into the finance process to make sure that we're, we're getting the right things done to move these products into actual use? Awesome. Right, I love this idea. And then the second piece, so one, you know, paying for it, you know, being able to change the model. Now, the second piece is the rest of the business. In this case, they're a traditional insurance company, a broker-oriented, sort of broker-focused insurance. And they launched, uh, in this case, it was a product, it was called Sonnet. So it was a S-O-N-N-E-T dot C-A. So Sonnet dot C-A, you go there and you sign up for insurance. And it's literally a few minutes and you, you're, you're fully insured. It's actually kind of crazy. So that this was the idea. And she said the idea here was that why did we do this? Number one, we listened to our customers. We listened to the customers and they said, we need to be able to make this process less onerous, less difficult, and, and being able to do it ourselves and not having to call somebody to have them come and sit in our house or go on the phone or whatnot. Second, they needed to learn. So learn as they go, being able to create, start with an MVP and, and move fast, increase velocity. And then third, surprise. Surprise the customer with a better experience. And it was kind of neat that the reason why she said it this way was surprise in this case was I sign up for Sonnet, I get insurance, and the first thing that happens after, she said, or in a lot of cases, with the people would phone into the call center, and it wasn't, oh, this didn't work, or I can't get on the website, or I, I don't understand, and I've got a problem. Uh, one of the more common early questions was, I think I'm done. Is it, I just want to make sure, did I do everything right? And it was, it was so cool that literally people could go in and in the course of a few minutes, they could be insured. And then they, they didn't believe that it had occurred because the rest of the industry had taught them that they're supposed to have a poor, slow, difficult, you know, manual process and experience. So surprising them by giving them this rapid, high velocity, you just put the stuff in you need to, we do the thing we need to do, and we give you what you want. Well, it sounds like a pretty good, pretty good delivery system. And the result of that was, you know, again, now going where you now have, wait a minute, oh, that's right, they're broker focused. So they've got brokers and their brokers also have to be able to get their own system to speed their own methods in order to get better at, at delivering. So they've now got this kind of multi-channel approach, whereas before it was entirely broker-based. Now they're doing broker, and at the same time, they're also doing direct to consumer. How do you make sure that you don't upset one for the other? And to top this off, you're gonna love this part of the story. They're doing all of this. They're changing the way they do things. They're changing the model of their business. They're changing the way they do technology. They're changing the way people work. They've got significant history in the industry They've got significant history with their people, and they're bringing on people rapidly. They said that 40% of the people that were working on these projects were, in fact, with the company for greater than five years or something. And 60% were there less than two years. So they had to really draw on this kind of diverse workforce, people that are fresh, people that are new, doing different things, match them with people that have history and understanding of the industry, and come out of the other end really rapidly, high velocity, with something cool. And they did it. And to top it off, the real part of the story that's important in this case was they're about to go to an IPO. 
in the course of the next few months. So at the time you're listening to this, if you, if you catch it early, you, know, you may already have seen it, that they've actually gone to IPO. So to go from a private mutual company to be an IPO, so you've got to go out and everything you do is now under the scrutiny of you know, the, the future shareholder, and it could affect things. So think about the impact and the risk that they've said. This is, it's not a risk. In fact, if anything, they said it's a risk to not do it. And then the stories continued, right? One of the most profound ones that I had, and, and I want you to stop and think about your family, you've probably had something like this. We had somebody who was there, he was, he was a leader of the security team, and literally you know, senior management in security, very powerful story where he talked about the idea of IoT. And IoT meaning that by 2020, based on the, the estimates and the numbers, that there are going to be billions of devices that are going to be online. I mean, billions with a B. That's a lot of that's a lot of devices. And we think about you know what's the impact to us in saying that that's going to happen. Well, the impact in this case is that introduces the opportunity for vulnerability. And so, if I think about vulnerability, then what happens when your you know physical devices that are medical devices suddenly have either internet access or effectively a vulnerability where there could be a problem. And so this, this fellow, Chris, his name is Chris Simplair, uh, or Simplair, and, and he told the story where he said he was, you know, dealing with, you know, these medical devices amongst many, many, many things, you know, all these billions, so we have 50 billion devices that are going to be online, and we've got all this risk that's, that's in play, and he suddenly reaches for his chest, and he falls over at the gym, going for a run, and goes into cardiac arrest. You know, this is terrifying. You think about what you can face if, if you have had this or, if, or somebody you know has had this. They perform CPR. They recover him. They resuscitate him. They get him to the hospital where he's put into an induced coma for three days. Doctors say to his wife, you most likely may have difficulty for the rest of your future communicating, may not be able to speak properly, already detecting that there's there's risk that, that you know, whether it was you know, impact on his brain or the portion of the brain that, that, that could affect speech patterns. So after three days, begins to come out, is brought back out of the coma, wife at his side, doctor in front of him, being told that in order to to give you stability, we have to give you a defibrillator. So a permanent device, network connected device that's gonna be in your chest, implanted. And so you think, you know, the medical miracles that are brought us to the point where this could happen. And here's this poor man who has gone through this incredible difficulty, you know, and cannot communicate. And his wife sees this pain and frustration and this, this anxiety, he's, he's trying to tell her something and is able to, over the course of some, you know, some time before they get to the operation, to say, I need you to contact this fellow at work. Because in this case, you know, are we at risk by choosing a device and of the devices that he chose, that there's one that actually has a, a known vulnerability. It's interesting, so think about that. 
that you know, now we've got this data available that we can feed back into the environment, into the, the makers of medical devices to very, very quickly get back to them that there's an issue or a risk. And, and, and so here he was, and, and a, a powerful story that Chris told, and I was thankful that he was able to share that, you know, as he stood proudly on stage, very physically well at this point, you know, defibrillator carried around with him wherever he goes, and knowing that it's it's at this point, you know, not vulnerable. It's not to say there won't be in future, but so this is the story. That is the thing that got him to the thing. Right? We've used technology in order to speed. You know, we heard also from uh, the folks at, at Boringer Ingelheim, amazing company that's doing a lot around uh, you know, clinical diagnostics and, and clinical research and being able to speed along clinical trials. They're using blockchain. And I know you're thinking, oh, blockchain, blockchain. And no, they're not using Bitcoin. They're using blockchain. Blockchain is a way to identify and secure permission-based blockchain in order to assure sharing of information correctly and safely between multiple providers and and being able to do this in a decentralized manner so they can then operate these massive trial and, and research programs and then be able to get data in and out of it safely. Again, does it matter what they used? Not so much. Does it matter that we've got the technology in front of us to be able to do it? Like I could, we, we talked about quantum computing. That's, that's another mind-blowing piece that we won't even cover right now. We'll cover that in the future. But stop for a second and just think about what's the thing that you wanted to have a better experience at? And that's the reason why we're in technology. It's the reason why we do everything we do. You know, as a technologist, I, I remind myself and my peers all the time that don't get caught up on how cool the technology is. Get caught up on the story that made someone's experience better. It's our purpose, and that's what we need to do. So hopefully you get a chance to you know, dig in further. I'm going to be sharing more on general you know, AI stuff that I'm working on uh, and that my team's working on and, and other folks in the community are working on. I'd be very, very happy to have interactions. So uh, ring, me, uh, you know, ring me up on Twitter. Uh, so I'm at Disco Posse. I'd love to hear your stories. Drop me an email. Uh, you can reach me through the Green Circle community. It's Disco Posse at GreenCircleCommunity.com. <laughs> Sorry, my username is Disco Posse. It's not the not my email address, but drop me a message in there. Uh, we're a free open community. We'd love to, to share your stories. Uh, so thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.